Hey everybody, this is Carrie Storms, middle school principal from Metro Christian Academy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you're listening to the Metro Minute, Life in the Middle edition. We use the acronym MIDDLE, which stands for Mistakes, Identity, Development, Discernment, Lens, and Every, as a guide for our content. I'm super passionate about the life that happens during this season of growth for kiddos and families. The Lord has designed this season not just to survive, but to thrive. So join us here as we walk through life in the middle. Well, today we are going to be taking a closer look at E, which is the last letter in the middle acronym. And I'm excited to be joined by someone who's become a new work friend and new friend in general, uh, Mr. AJ Claire Coper. AJ, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Glad so glad, so glad you're here and that we were able to take the time to sit down and talk today. AJ serves as our campus pastor here at Metro Christian in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll start inside out relationship with God first. I got kind of one of those more dramatic salvation moments a week before I graduated college. So I had plenty of time for debauchery um, and then had my real moment with God. And that ultimately changed the trajectory of everything because now this was a real being. So got saved 2007 and just started living accordingly since then. Not perfectly, but accordingly. Um, got married. So me and my wife Mariah have been married for 11 years. We have four daughters, eight years to what's she now five month baby so three of them go to school here so i get to take them to school and hug them in the hallways whether they want me to or not uh, <laughs> but that's super fun and then i've been doing ministry for a couple decades now i've pastored in church pastored now a school pastored businesses i even have my own nonprofit that i work i pretty much just one-on-one -on -one pastor men and so i've got you know a couple dozen clients that we meet pretty regularly that's incredible. I love your heart for discipleship and all of that, really meeting people where they are and growing them and helping them to grow in their walk with the Lord. What do you think is your favorite part so far of serving in this current pastoral role? It's still relatively new. Right. What's been your favorite part so far? Well, Metro is a blast and it really does kind of have its own tenor and tempo to it and culture. I'll say this from doing ministry in so many different avenues and environments. It's awesome to have people forced to be with you this often. But you, <laughs> when you pastor a church, you get them for like an hour a week. But now you're there real time when they go through a heartache or they go through a big triumph. Or you're, you're there with them five days a week. And so that has been my favorite part is just the real time ministry and connection that happens. That's great. I love that. Well, it's been really fun to have you as part of our team here at Metro, and I know the students have really enjoyed getting to know you already. And so I'm eager to take a dive into E for Every with you today. Yeah. Just kind of recapping, and I looked through our middle school acronym, Mistakes, Identity, Development, Discernment, and Lens. And when mm -hmm. we were putting this acronym together, E for Every, at first, I remember really looking at the Lord and being like, really? E for every? What What does that mean? How is this going to shake out? And as it has come together, it's been neat to see the Lord orchestrate that meaning behind the E for every, that every one of you, every one of us is known and loved by God. And so in the context of our school, we like to say every one of you students is known and loved by God, and you are known and loved by us. Luke 12, 7 says, indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many 
sparrows. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we like to say in affiliation with E for Every is that we want to be students of our students as individual creations by God. Uh, there's no carbon copies. You know, we might think that we can kind of slot people into categories, but there's really no carbon copies right. when it comes to God's uh, creative endeavors in, in creating all of us. So, you know, Dale Carnegie, uh, he is an author of How to Win Friends and Influence People, says this quote, which on a side note, I always thought two of my lifelong mentors were the ones that said this. And when I Googled it today, I thought, oh, well, maybe they heard this one say it. <laughs> anyway, he says this, a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. And so embracing that we are known and seen and missed and recognized, this impacts our understanding of our worth. E for every is about recognizing our worth as intentionally created beings by our Father. So as you're working with students, as you're working with adults, other fellow believers, how have you seen that this truth, that we are seen and known and loved by the Father who created us, have you seen this under attack recently. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we all know the definition of a pandemic now, but the definition of an epidemic is kind of a pandemic that remains. It becomes part of your culture. And I think this is something that's trying to become epidemic um, if it hasn't already in our society. You know, I don't want to just point immediately to the bad guy and go technology, this and that, but it really has become such a a focal piece of not just something we do or have, but something that we've become. It wants to, again, I'm trying not to dive straight into a black hole, but kind of become a synthetic soul for us mm. of instead of drawing into our creator through mystery and through even negative emotions or positive emotions, just kind of living into distraction world, um, living the blue, blue screen etiquette of what am I projecting and what am I seeing and what am I following? And it's become our our digestion. So I think we're missing huge core pieces. Like you're saying, the individuality for me, that shows the real power of God. I mean, the universe is awe striking and all that, but the fact that he has this level of intimacy with this many people over this long a time, that for me is a show of power. Like I know every time I get out of the shower, he has to recount the hairs on my head at this age, but, <laughs> but he knows that. And so for us to not dive into that level of intimacy with him, to live in a distracted time and moment, that for me is what I'm walking through with so many people. And a lot of them are younger men. They've gone through college. They've been working for a couple of years and they're going, I lost myself in there somewhere mm. or I never had myself and I thought I did. I think we're living in a world and, and I'll just wrap it up with, with Romans 12, 1. Don't conform to this world. Don't be conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think this world is just set as a conformity monster. We can shape you into the patterns of this world so quickly and so easily. We have to have that intimate knowledge of God and intimate knowledge of ourselves to not fall into that. So talk a little bit more about that. You know, this podcast specifically targets middle school and mm -hmm. going through that middle school phase. But as we both know, you're not a middle schooler forever. So high school, you know, we're knocking on the door of high school and then into the college years and young adult, it all is pointing forward. Talk to us a little bit more about what you've referred to before as sort of institutional models that are right. out there and that importance of, of what it looks like for young kids, for middle school kids to be grappling with their identity and how it's defined and who they are. Yeah. 
there's just so many great tools that God's built into our, our creation mechanism. I mean, going through puberty, is there a greater time of stress and worry than puberty, you know? <laughs> but if you're going through it in a safe environment with leadership and having these places where you can doubt, where you can question, where you can vent frustration, there's these opportunities, that real revelation at a young age. I think being in middle school is so difficult, but it can be so foundational in the things that, that will perpetuate for the rest of our lives, really. I mean, my wife tells me a story of she had somebody stand up at church when she was in seventh grade and say, hey, are we going to live for God or not? In fact, it was Matt Clyburn, who's mm -hmm. a Bible teacher here, mm -hmm. said, are we going to live for God or not? And she said it had such a profound effect on her at that age that she hasn't looked back. She made a real dedicated commitment at that age. And so just back to the original, these, these models and institutions being built, I think a lot of them are good intentionalities, but God didn't make us as a blueprint. He made us as a fingerprint. Mm. And we are in his image. And when we try to formulate that into a model, it doesn't work. There has to be this individuality into it. We all receive information differently and receive love differently and give information differently and give love differently. And we, we can begin expressing this as young, young adults, not even high schoolers of, you know, what am I drawn to? I think elementary, like my daughter's, it's like, hey, we're doing dance, we're doing soccer, we're doing art, we're doing every, we're going to just see where you kind of find traction. And then as you middle school, you begin to funnel that a little bit into drives and desires and abilities and skills. And you're really just, again, making that thumbprint more permeable in your life. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's not central focused on who am I. I think it's central focused on who is he in me. Mm -hmm. And those are the questions. That's really key that you said that because, you know, if you look through the narrative of a Christian worldview, right, the narrative is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Mm -hmm. We are created in God's image. And as a result of the fall, though, we know that Satan is the mastermind of tweaking the truth. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to come in with a complete diabolical lie. All he has right. to do is pervert the truth a little. And so, you know, I know as I'm walking through this season of teen years with my own children, it's stunning and scary at the same time to watch how that word identity is being tweaked and perverted away from our identity in Christ and the truth that's there. And so, you know, even as you were talking through, you know, kids looking at who they are and, and how they love and all these things, that underlying, though, goes back to, you, you just said it, it wasn't that who am I, but who is Christ in me? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it roots our kids who our faith followers, or who even are searching back to, hey, here's yeah. the place for the roost to be planted. What are you seeing as maybe behaviors or struggles that students are having, maybe even broader as the families are having during that time of navigation? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know the tree by the fruit. And so I think we can very easily just pick out some fruit of what's going on. I mean, when you, when you aren't you know, centered in Christ, you've lost that anchor point of hope, foundation, the cornerstone, you're going to find the fruit of that. You're going to find, and what we're seeing is, is again, these just drastic numbers of, of anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts and self-harm, addiction to certain things. We're finding all this fruit that is coming from us being empty of us. Mm. When you're not in a place of fulfillment and being filled you're, you're pouring out of yourself and you're going to run to empty. 
You know, I was talking to the seniors the other day and you can tell when they glaze over and they have that point where they glaze over and I'll just change direction and say, okay, what do we need to talk about here? And it's interesting because I'll go, are you guys just, you just feeling run down and run out? Like every class you walk into, does Mm. the teacher feel like that's the only class you have that day when you go to practice? And they exploded. Yes. Mm. I just feel like I'm pulled in so many directions and I don't know what to do. And where do I put my priority and my focus and my best? Mm. And I'll say, when do you see your parents? And they'll say, sometimes at church was the answer I got. It's just but we're so stretched into so many ways and we're demanding that at younger and younger ages because we're a productivity driven culture. Mm. And instead of an intrinsic value of, again, back to that, who am I and who am I in Christ? We're going, what are you giving and what are you producing? That's that slave mentality of Egypt. You mm. know, when you're a slave, your values, what you, what you produce. And we are falling into that so quickly. Parents don't want to, and none of us want to, but we're immersed in a culture with a pace that I think is faster than we were meant to live. You know, the Bible is written to an agricultural community. There is seed, time, and harvest. And time, I think, is where God's heart is and his personality is. When we take patience out of the flow and out of the mix of our culture, we're not going to get to the deeper things. We're not going to get to the deep-rooted issues. We're going to medicate and medicate and medicate. And so we've medicated with tech. Distraction is keeping us from focus. So the heart questions that are put in us, Ecclesiastes, Solomon said that God placed eternity in the hearts of men. That's a giant, that's a a scavenger hunt for us. Mm -hmm. You know, anything valuable in the earth, the gold and and the precious stones and the oil, he hid it. He hid it in the earth. He hid things in us as well. And when we don't go on this great adventure of finding those things, we're dealing with default preservative added lifestyles. And we're robbing ourselves of the richness that God has for us. And it's pre-made for us to fall into that pit is what I think I'm seeing. Mm. You know, you're saying the word identity. I think you said a version of the word mistakes. I also love that Mm. you said the word pit. You know, when I was a math teacher, I often would refer to the learning pit. And it was this process and this visualization of so often we think that learning is about being at point A, walking a straight line to point B. I learned it. Now move on. Whereas the reality is oftentimes it looks like a big U and we're somewhere in the U. And at some point, if we're at the bottom of the U, kind of that learning pit, that's where the struggle happens. That's where we need the help to get out of the pit. And yet oftentimes we're so perhaps we're eager to find that help from an academic standpoint, or we're eager to look for that help if we're not um, shaving off time on our sprint enough, or if we're not throwing the ball far enough, we bring in coaches and things like that. Yet, as we go through the normative process of making mistakes during the journey of our walk with the Lord, we can find ourselves being resistant, or I've just failed, I'm out. Instead of understanding, again, back to that narrative of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, all of it is those valuable processes that the Lord is not abandoning us in, but is walking with us through. And that's not going to happen if he didn't value each and every one of his creations. He would leave us out to to dry. I mean, I'm bringing literally nothing to the table, right? right? He is bringing everything to the table. So his only incentive to walk with me, to walk with our students through these times of wonder, doubt, struggle is that he made us and loves us. He's choosing to. Okay, let me ask you a little bit to go into kind of our verse, you know, the verse back in Luke, it says, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. It talks about, you know, God 
knowing even the minute details of the hairs on our, our head. You know, as I was looking at this verse, AJ, I thought of the words confidence, significance, and holistic worth. Mm. As you're talking with parents, maybe there's parents that are listening right now. What are some real basic strategies that parents or influential adults could use as they are supporting confidence, significance, and the holistic worth of their children? Mm, That's a good question. Well, and I have an eight-year-old as my oldest, so there's a (laughs) lot of battles going on that I'm yet to face, so I'm not going to pretend to be the consummate parent here, but I think a big one that I'm running into is just this finalizing mentality of we get caught in a moment and we think that's it. We think Mm. that it's done and dusted, that's who I am, and that's what has happened. Even just that whole progression that you gave of the gospel story, it's built for redemption. It's built for saving. We need, Jesus wasn't a savior in the moment we received him. He's a savior every day for our lives. Mm-hmm. And we get stuck in a moment. We get stuck in an event or something somebody called us. You know, I, I had my wife come in to class on Friday and we just kind of did worship. And I brought her in to pray with the girls and I was there to pray with the guys. And, you know, I just kind of shook up class. I was like, I don't want to feel like school today. So let's just not. And her and a a girl kind of just made eye contact and she was like, let's pray. And she just said, I just feel like there's so much guilt that you're carrying around. And I guess the girl broke and I don't want to expose too much of the situation or anything, but she was just living with this, this yoking of guilt every day. She's going to practice and going to school and living her life in that way because she had finalized this thing that happened. And I think the biggest thing that I'm finding is, man, we got to get up dust yourself off and move on again because God is this redemptive God. And if we do believe Romans 8, 28, where he's going to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, his purpose wasn't on Tuesday of, you know, 2015. His purpose is the fullness of your life and the exposition of who he is in you. And so we are going to fall and he gets to exercise that identity as Savior and Lord in our life there. And so I'm, I'm expounding further than I need to on that simple subject, but I just don't think we need to finalize build milk mm. the way that we do. One thing I love about that story and the anecdote with your wife was that she made the conscientious to- choice to be there and to be present. But in my mind's eye, and I've met your wife a couple times, but in my mind's eye, even, okay, yes, I made the conscientious choice to be there. Yes, I'm going to be present. Even in that moment, she sought to be spirit, spiritually responsive mm-hmm. to committing to that moment. And, you know, I, I don't know about you. I mean, we've both got four kids. We both are working. We've both got these families, all of these things, right? And so sometimes I'll find myself treating my time and my conversation with the Lord in a way that mimics a pace that I've mm-hmm. been set setting in all these other areas of my life. Yet if we turn the table and submit our pace to the Lord wow. yeah. and have that chance to sit with him, to listen, to not just talk out, but to listen, that really has the chance to then turn the table and cause us to say, gosh, Carrie, when you sat and listened for my voice, right. look at the intimacy that's grown you're missing some of those intimate moments with your children because you're not willing to just sit and be. Yes. That can be an awkward space at times, right? Yeah. Especially if it's a middle schooler or a high right. schooler. But there's such fruit that can come out of that. 
And that's not going to happen necessarily every conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But we're showing up. Right. Well, we're showing I, up. I, I talk to people about the voice of the Lord. I say, if you're trying to develop God's voice in the storm, you're going to have a difficult time. If you develop his voice in the quiet, then you'll be able to hear him at both. I think as parents, it's the same way where I want to, I want to give lessons all the time. I want to, I want to harp on the mistakes. I want to correct in the, in the situation where if I take bedtime and I'm serious about that time, I'm developing my voice in her life and her voice to me. And it's, it's creating this relationship again, which is what we were created for. It's developing that relationship again to have the voice. And so the same way we develop it with God is the same way we develop it with our kids. And so often we just fall into training mode and we've got to be on time mode and we got to get this done mode that we miss what this is all actually about. And I'm as guilty of it as anybody I've ever met. So I'm, I'm speaking to me here, but when you're talking about like just the pace and and God's ways are higher than our ways. And so if we get our pace from him, it, it changes things. Cause there's, there's, I go back to seed time and harvest. The planting is a lot of work and the harvest is a lot of work. The time is the prep and the, and the trust and the faith and the, that's the actual growth. That's when the plant is growing, but that's when we're growing as well. And I think most of our parenting is that time, but we highlight moments as our, as our, our parenting mandate of how they're doing in sports or what are their grades. And we're putting false standards and getting false rewards and not producing, you know, the peaceable fruit of righteousness for our children and our families. You know, that's interesting. You bring those things up. Um, We talked a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, how another one of kind of the taglines or values of the E for every is being students of our students. Mm. There are postable ways that we can know our children. What do I mean by postable? Things that I can take a snapshot of and post. Right. <laughs> right. I can. Because they're um, cute. You're, they're cute. <laughs> they just won whatever. Yeah. They struck some great pose. Whatever it is, those are post-worthy things. But there's a difference between knowing about a kid. I mean, AJ, you could go on my social media site right now and probably learn that I love to cook or at least think about food because there's tons of recipes and, you know, and things like that. But you wouldn't necessarily say that you know my heart. You know a lot about me, but you don't necessarily know my heart. The same thing is true about our kids. We can get caught up in those postable attributes of Mm. knowing our kids. Who, if not the parent, will be able to walk into the space of knowing, knowing those innermost parts, digging into who this little guy or girl is as God's creative masterpiece. What are some strategies that parents might want to entertain or maybe even some open-ended questions Mm. that you could share with them? Because, again, I go back to I'm living with four teenagers Sometimes just sitting on the couch and looking at over one of them and being like, so, want to talk? <laughs> it's awkward. Right. And they look at me like, what are you doing right, right now? Yet, if I'm not going to, who is? Or even scarier, if I don't, someone else will. Yeah. <laughs> right? I want to be yeah. that I want to be that voice in that conversation with them. What, what can that look like? Just managing some of those realities of the awkwardness of teen years. Again, I'm doing this with other people's children at the moment, <laughs> and I am ab- abrasive and aggressive. And uh, but maybe there's a lesson in that: embracing the awkward of being able to 
just be present in that. And when they're ready, they can speak and stuff like that. But just some really, I think you and I were talking earlier and just talking about the presence of being there, being stable and consistent, not always having to be right, which is where I think I, again, if we use the word pit, I fall into that pit of wanting to have the right answer, wanting to be the great guide and, and mentor, where just being there for my daughters is most important. That whenever they're going through something, and that's kind of the standard, my wife and I are look at each other across the couch after they're in bed, is will our girls come to us when they have secrets, when they have hardship, when they have these things? Will they come to us or will they avoid us? When they get into trouble, are they running to dad or are they running from dad? I'm not nailing the, the, the nail on the head with the question that you're asking, but I, I think that's really where I want to, because I'm looking at, at male culture right now. Mm. I was raised in, if you're putting bread on the table, you're being a good dad. The standard changed whenever I met God, because that's not what he does for me. He's, he's with me. He cries with me. He rejoices with me. He, he corrects me. He, you know, yes, he puts bread on the table, but that is so much more. And so I, I want to, you know, for any dads that are listening, I do want to challenge you to get into the emotional pit with, with your kids a little bit. They need you for that. They need to see that you hurt. They need to see that you struggle. I mean, your vulnerability is going to open up their vulnerability. If you don't apologize to your kids, they're always going to internalize that they're wrong. And so when you mess up, go tell your kids, hey, I messed up in that last one and I got it wrong. I didn't listen to what you were saying. I was in a hurry and I was worn out. So giving them that platform to see you and vulnerable, but then also express what's going on inside of them. But I know a guy that I met at church, we're fairly new to our church, so we're still meeting people. And I got into a conversation with a guy. And the first thing that he asked me was, when was the last time you really felt like you were 100% you? And I'd never been asked a question like that before. And I, I immediately turned it into like, oh, I'm going to ask my kids that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to engage in ministry that way. But it built this bridge to like a real connection with this guy because he didn't ask me what I did for a living. He didn't ask me who my favorite sports team was. He asked me about me in a way that I hadn't asked me a question. So then I had to go in and like, wait, what have I been giving my life to? And when was I really at my best and stuff like that? So there are these questions to ask your kids. Um, but again, I think the setting, the tone, the presence, it's not, it's not always in the car going somewhere. That is a way those dinner times, those bed times, you know, those are the times to really have these questions at the ready and to go for it. So for me, it's more the timing and the the presence than even the question itself, if I can skirt that question as well as I can. No, I think it's great. And, you know, we might have somebody listening going, well, that's great, AJ. You still got little ones. Right. Mine are already 13, 14, 15, 16. If all of a sudden I start showing up by their bed at night to tuck them in and have these deep moments, they're going to be like, uh, what are you doing here? Just like if I showed up after having sat in an office for three years and went to the gym, mm. my body may be like, uh, what are you doing here? But I still have to take that step. I still have to do it and kind of work that out. How does that shake right. out in, in maybe in this space for, for parents who maybe feel like they're in a situation of I've got to kind of re-break the ice again? Yes. Well, I think one very practical thing that I would encourage you to do is to put a hand on your kid's shoulder and pray for them out loud. There's maybe nothing more vulnerable or connective than that. And just letting God give you words that you maybe don't have in your head, but they're somewhere deep inside of you. And he can pull those things out. This amazing Holy Spirit who's always with us. 
yeah, it's going to be awkward the first two or three times. It's going to. It's going to be muscles that you don't know. It's muscles your kids are, are going to be awkward with potentially. But being able, again, to expose not just your, your methods, but to expose your heart to your kids is where I keep coming back to. A big goal that we have for our kids is when they're teenagers and young adults, we want to still we want to be friends with them. We want them to still have that kind of relationship. And it's not because we hear all the stories of when they're teenagers, they go away and then you'll get them when they're older. And I just I can't live with that. I can't be OK with that. So right now. And yes, I'm cheating again because they're young, but I'm I'm thinking of all these bridge building tactics. And for me, prayer is it. I'm, I'm praying when they're not there, certainly. But to have that moment to pray. And then I flip it on my eight-year-old. I say, can you pray for daddy? And after the deer in headlights moment, she prays and it's profound and it's beautiful. We hug afterward. We're souls and spirits connecting, not just bodies. And so when you bring those things to the table, there's a deeper commitment and connection that happens. So I think that's the most absolutely tangible thing I could give is pray over your children to where they hear you pray for them. I love that. Well, AJ, you know, with working almost exclusively with middle school children, my brain always goes to like jokes about toots and funny (laughs) things like that. But even as I was going through thinking about all these little icebreaker moments, we can always go back to like, you know, the old school camp moves of like, okay, what are some this or that questions or just, you know, what are would you rather questions or things? But again, I think the common thing is that you're showing up to ask those. Mm -hmm. And so I just really want to continue to encourage adult listeners, show up, be there, be revolutionary in that you are showing your kid or your student what it looks like to physically be present, hands empty, looking at them in in the face and asking questions. That is becoming more and more and more revolutionary um, with each generation Um, but so key and so important. And frankly, it's what God is doing with us. He's there. He's looking at us face to face. He's giving us his voice through the spirit and his word. And so to be able to take that and say, okay, thanks, dad. Thanks for that model. And then turn and use it with our children. It's a beautiful trickle down effect of, of us getting to love on our children out of an overflow of the way the father loves on us first. So Well, AJ, as we wrap up today, what is maybe one positive word of encouragement that you want to give to an adult who's listening right now who is in the throes of life in the middle? Right. This too shall pass. Um, (laughs) No, I I think I would encourage you to say you're doing a better job than you give yourself credit for. We are, by nature, because of the fall, we are human negative highlight reels in our own head Mm. by standard. And I, I... I would venture to say that the the highlight reel that your kids have of you is not as negative as yours is to yourself. And so, sure, they may have those moments that they remember where it didn't go well, but ultimately they remember the zoo and they remember the the late night talks and they remember that time you said yes instead of no. And so you're doing better than you think that you are and be encouraged in that. So sometimes just call those thoughts the liars that they are and be active in your own mental health with those things and parenting because you're wearing a lot of weight. You Mm -hmm. just are is we're balancing households and work life and finances. Again, it can turn into a a production model. You're not the CEO of a corporation. You're, you're a living, breathing being. And so take that time, take a deep breath and say, even just say to yourself, I'm, I'm doing a good job. And in the places I'm failing, 
they have a savior still. I'm not their savior. They have a savior. God, I give you my kids. I give you that moment where I went off the deep end. I give you that moment I wasn't present. I give you that. Please make that beautiful for my child. Give him the opportunity. I love that. I want to close with our verse for uh, E for every Luke 12, 7. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. Mm. You are worth more than many sparrows. Thanks for joining us today. AJ, thanks for being here today. I love what you've shared, and I, I know it's been an encouragement to people that are listening today. Thanks. thanks. It was a blast. Thanks for tuning in to the Metro Minute, Life in the Middle edition. Find new episodes, resources, and more on our website at metroca.com or on social media under Metro Christian Academy Tulsa. Interested in continuing the conversation about what you've heard today? I'd love to hear from you. Connect with me using connect at metroca.com.